1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to be there at verse 41. I encourage you to follow along if you can and, and read the Bible with me. Now, I'm, I'm more likely going to be turning some, to some other scripture this morning, but I'm always going to come back to 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you don't want to flip through the pages, me and Brother Pete were talking about this before church. If you don't want to flip through the pages and I'm wearing you out, just stay where you're at. I'm going to, if I'm going to a verse, I always read it out loud. I don't ever just tell you go to the verse. I'll read it out loud. You'll be able to hear it read. You'll know what it says. But uh, there's some important things I'm going to preach on this morning, starting in 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 41. We're going to pick up the story where we left off. Now, where did we leave off? They had the great competition. It's, uh, God, it's God against the God of Baal. And Elijah says, you need to pick a side. Choose a side. Stop, stop sitting on the fence. So he said, let's get, let's get the altar. Let's make an altar roundabout. And whoever's God can bring fire down from heaven, that's the God. Well, y'all know the story. So Baal's prophets got there and they danced all around. They tried to do it from noon, from uh, 9 o'clock to noon, noon. Nothing happened. They went from noon. They're going close to 3 o'clock. Nothing's happening. They start cutting themselves. And then Elijah, he gets water. He pours it. It's his turn. He pours water on the, on, on the altar. He pours water in a trench around the altar. He pours gallons, I mean, barrels and barrels of water on it. And then God brings down fire from heaven right there. Boom, and licks it up. And the Israel says, the Jehovah God, he's God. He's God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is the God. So they take the prophets, and He takes them down, and He takes the prophets, He takes them down, and He slays them, kills them down at the creek. That's what Elijah did. You say, well, that's kind of awful. Well, you got to remember that Jezebel had took all the prophets of God in and killed them. This is an eye for an eye. This is the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So he, they're just getting what they, did to, what they did to God's prophets. That's what He's doing to, to the prophets of Baal. He made them a non-profit organization. It's a tough crowd. You know, I, I brought up, I, like, I was preaching on uh, unclean spirits and stuff, and I brought up, you know, the first case of deviled ham and suicide and everything, and I got the same reaction. Uh, Y'all pray for me that the Lord will give me a better sense of humor, because I think that stuff's funny. <laughs> I think that stuff's funny. All right, verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. It hasn't rained yet. But Elijah says there's a sound of an abundance of rain. It hasn't rained yet, but there's a sound of an abundance of rain. How does Elijah know it's going to rain? Well, if you remember what we were reading back in chapter 18 last week, God said, to Elijah, I'm going to make it rain. Now go do this, and I'm going to make it rain. So Elijah is using his faith in God's words to know it's going to rain. Before Elijah prays, he says, I hear there is a sound of abundance of rain. He's putting his faith, before he even starts praying, he's believing that God's going to answer his prayer. Amen. Uh, I was reading this story about this black preacher, and they had, a, they had a, a prayer meeting for rain. It needed rain really bad in the area, and the black church was going to be praying for rain. And the black preacher's up there, and he says, Oh, y'all believe that God can send us some rain? And, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen, brother. Amen. And the black preacher says, Where's y'all's umbrellas? Where's y'all's umbrellas? Amen. You believe God can work in your life? Why aren't you living like God's working in your life? Elijah's living like God's working in his life. He says, okay, guys, I hear it. There's a sound of abundance of rain, Ahab. You can go ahead and eat and drink. Rain's about to come. 
Verse 42, so Ahab went up and to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. That's a pretty good prayer position. The Bible has different prayer positions. Sometimes you get on your knees, sometimes people are standing up, sometimes people are looking up. The best prayer position is get down on your knees, your face to the earth. Down upon the earth, and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, and he said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. So Elijah's praying, and he gets through praying. He goes, hey, go look and see if there's rain coming. So the servant runs, and he looks, and he comes back. There's no rain. Elijah says, go look again. Goes again. Third, fourth, fifth. You know about the fifth time that servant's going? He goes, this man, old man's crazier than a peach archer boar. What am I doing here? This old man, he's gone off. He's off his rocker. There's, he needs to stop praying for rain. We hadn't had rain in three and a half years. But on the seventh time... While he's going back to look on the seventh time, cussing that old man for making him waste his time, he gets over there and it says in verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Mm-mm-mm. God works with little things. What I've learned from studying my Bible all these years, I've learned that God uses little things. He uses little things in your life. He uses little things to destroy big things. He uses little things so he gets all the glory. Amen. He's using little things. He says it looks like about the size of a man's hand. And he sees it coming up out of the sea. And he said, Elijah said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Here comes the rain. Go, go warn Ahab. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. But look at verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I would like to have seen that. There's old Ahab and he's running the chariots, horses. <laughs> You know, he's heading to Jezreel, and here comes old Elijah. He's got his robe up, and he's running. <laughs> you know, just running. Was that Elijah? Did I just see Elijah come up there? Hand of the Lord's on Elijah, and he's just running with his robes up. You know. That's what the Bible says. Are you reading the same Bible? It's pretty crazy stuff. I'd like to see that kind of stuff. Why did the Lord do that? I have no idea. He just said, you know what? I want Elijah to beat him there. Verse 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. All right, let's stop there. These prophets that Elijah had slain were Jezebel's prophets. This was a great competition. It said over 400 of her prophets were there. Ahab was there. Israel was there. My question to you this morning is, where was Jezebel? You mean you had this great competition, this religious gathering? Was she skipping church? Her own church service? This wasn't just like a, you know, this wasn't just like a thrown together thing and it happened within one hour. It was hours and hours and hours of her prophets out there singing and dancing and cutting themselves. According to the word of God. Where was Jezebel? That's a great question to ask. You said, where was Jezebel? Was she just too busy? Maybe she was having her hair done. Too busy putting on her makeup, she couldn't get down there. I know y'all think some of that's, that's kind of funny, isn't it? But the Bible, that's how they describe Jezebel. 
And we're going to get to that. When Jezebel finally meets her end, she goes, she goes to her end with all her makeup on and her hair done really nice. And if you don't know that story, go home and read it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Where was Jezebel? Maybe there was a shoe sale going on. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say, but she wasn't there. And Ahab, being, being the weenie that he is, oh, oh baby, did you, you should have seen what Elijah did to all your prophets. I mean, I just imagine it's been, it's, uh, Ahab's just one of these henpecked men. That the women's wearing the pants and the fan. That's him. That's, that's Ahab. Boy, you can hear the hush over the crowd. <laughs> I finally got somebody to laugh about it. There's a man. There's a real man in here who's not afraid of his wife. Verse 2. Then, then Jezebel sent a messenger. Sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. After Jezebel hears about God bringing fire down from heaven, destroying 400 of her prophets, she's still going to threaten Elijah. My friends, I'm trying to tell you, there's some things, yeah, people say, if God would just, if God would show himself, I'll believe. I'm not going to believe until God shows himself. God could show himself and you still wouldn't believe. Don't kid yourself. You'd look for a way out. Oh, I just, I must have had some bad food. I just had indigestion that day when God showed up. Oh, it's just an illusion. It was just a, it's just a, somebody's playing a trick on me. You wouldn't believe if God was to show up right before your very eyes. Stop kidding yourself. If you don't have the faith to believe, you're not going to believe. And Jezebel had all the reasons to believe that God, Jehovah God, is the God. And he, she was given all of those, and she still wouldn't believe. She's going to threaten. She's going to threaten him. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. This is an amazing story of Elijah. And I, I, I don't mean this to be a sombering message, but really it's, it's, it's a message that's, that's, that needs to be preached. It's a serious message. And I know I've done a lot of kidding around, joking around, because I know this is going to get real serious. This message is about depression. This message is what a lot of us in here have dealt with. That sadness, that depression that comes into a person's life. Christians. I'm not just talking about the lost. I'm talking about born-again Christians that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and there's just a depression that comes into your life. And we, I, I want to preach on that this morning. And I'm going to show you how Elijah, with all these wonderful victories God's given him, he gave him fire down from heaven. He slew the prophets. Rain was brought forth. It hadn't rained in three and a half years, and Elijah's able to pray rain, and here comes all the rain. And he runs before the chariots, all these amazing things, and it takes one woman saying the wrong thing. And Elijah falls down into depression. You women are dangerous creatures. That was a joke. But it's true, but it's a joke. Take that for what it means. <laughs> Take that for what it means. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I know I've been joking around this morning, Lord God, but it's because I have your joy in me. And I am so happy just to be saved, Father God. I'm so happy just to have the, the reassurance of Jesus Christ in a place called heaven, Lord God. And, but, Father, I know, Lord God, that uh, there's people dealing with depression. Lord, they're just, they're just down and out, Lord God. They can't, hardly, they can't maybe put their finger on it. Why? But, Lord, they're dealing with it, Lord God. Now, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that as we go through these word, that your word, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move, Father, and you'll lead God and direct us, Lord God. Give us some answers, Lord God. Give us some solutions. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that if there's anybody dealing with it, Lord God, that you'll be there with them. You'll show them what they need to do, what you can do to help them out, Lord God. And, Father, I do want to thank you publicly for taking me out of my, my depression, Father God. I want to thank you for healing me up, Lord God, and getting me out of the pit, Lord God, when I was like Elijah laying down, just grumbling and wanting to die, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for looking on me, Lord God, and not leaving me and deserting me, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord. And I, th I pray, Father, it'll be your words and not mine. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So depression, depression, depression. Elijah starts su suffering depression here. So much so that he says that he just wants to die. He just wants to die. And I'm going to show you some mistakes Elijah makes here that leads to this depressive state. And with these mistakes he makes, each one of these mistakes, I'm going to point them out to you. And with each one of these mistakes, I'm going to try to give a solution of what he could have done and what he needs to do to solve this. Now, first and foremost, before we go any further, let me tell you, the real answer, the answer always, always is Jesus Christ. Always. I, uh, brother Chad Reese, dear, dear pastor friend of mine, dear brother in Christ, he's came over and preached the 10-year revival. When I had my 10-year anniversary, he came here and preached. I love the brother to death. When I was going through some of my depression, I was talking to him, and, and this is what he told me. He said, Brother Keegan, he said, I can't answer, I can't give you answers to all your problems. And I was dealing with some, some deep problems. He said, but let me tell you something. I'll just tell you what you need to do. You need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. You just need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. That's a good answer. So if you're dealing with depression, dealing with some sadness, maybe there's things, you know, you're like, well, I just don't have that joy like I did. Maybe you need to just stop and say, you know what, I'm going to fall back in love with my first love, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's pick this up. Let's pick this up back at verse 3. Let's pick this up. Let's find out what brought the problem on. In verse 3, and when he saw that, saw what? Saw Jezebel telling him something. So his first problem, his first mistake was he was listening to Jezebel. Jezebel wasn't even there. Jezebel wasn't even there when he did all this. Jezebel was long gone. Why did Jezebel warn him? If Jezebel wanted to kill him, remember what she says there in verse 2? Saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And the Bible says there, the first of that verse, that she sent a messenger to tell him that. If she really wanted to kill him, why didn't she go warn him? All bark, I got, I got, and no bite. That's what the problem is. She knows she has no bite. She knows she has no power. All her prophets are laying down in the creek of Kidron, dead. Ahab, her, her husband Ahab is over there saying, I was just with Elijah. I was eating and drinking with Elijah. Elijah prayed rain. You should have saw what he did to your prophets. And she gets all red-faced and angry. So let, go, go tell Elijah I'm going to kill him. It's a joke. She has no leg to stand on. His first mistake 
and very dire mistake was she list, he listened to what Jezebel said. Are you listening to the Jezebels in your life? Are you listening to the Jezebels in your life? Are you listening to the naysayers? Are you listening to the people saying, oh, that Bible's not real. Oh, I can't believe in that. All oh, the Christians, they're just... Are, are you listening to the Jezebels in your life? Are you listening too much to the news media? Are you listening too much to CNN? Or to Fox News? Or to OAN? Or you just pick it, I don't care. Are you listening too much to that trash on TV? Are you listening too much to the Jezebels? You need to stop. And the solution to this is simple. You need to stop listening to Jezebel. The solution is you need to stop listening to Jezebel. You need to start listening to Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple. Stop listening to the Jezebels. Because if Elijah would have stopped and thought it through and said, My God just brought fire down from heaven in the sight of men. My God just brought rain on the earth. My God just made me run before the chariots of Ahab. Lady, you don't have nothing on me. <laughs> bring it on, Jezebel, bring it on. <laughs> but he didn't. He, Jezebel says that, and what's Elijah? Boo, he takes off. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. <laughs> and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Second mistake. His second mistake that Elijah make it, made is that he got away from his friends. There's a servant, the servant that had been through all that with him, the servant that ran off to look to see if it was raining yet, rain was coming, that servant that had been with him, he left that servant there. He got away from his friends. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the most, one of the most important things you can do when you're going through any kind of depression, any kind of sadness, is not to get away from your friends. Friends in Christ are the white blood cells of the body of Christ. When you cut yourself, uh, so many people in here know more about this than I do, the white blood cells, they run and they come to heal that up. And whenever you have any problem in the body of Christ and you say, well, I'm sad, I, I don't feel good, or I'm kind of depressed or whatever, that's where the blood cells, the white blood cells of the body of Christ, they come to you, they comfort you, they hug you, they cheer you up. That's the Christians that I'm talking about. Amen. That's working with a good church. So the solution to this problem is simply this. A true friend, a true friend understands what you're going through and wants to cheer you up. So let them. I made this mistake. When I was going through some of my depression, that's what I did exactly what, this is why I know this is a huge mistake. I did exactly what Elijah did. I was listening and then I started running. And when I ran, I didn't run with anybody else. I ran by myself. You know why he left his servant there? Because his servant would have said, what are you doing, Elijah? We just brought fire. God just brought fire down from Don't listen to her. Right? The, the servant would have talked sense into Elijah. What are you doing, Elijah? You just brought rain on the earth. You just ran before Ahab's chariots. You just, God just let you bring fire down from heaven. What are you doing, Elijah? It's just Jezebel. He, but in depressive state, you're not thinking right. We're going to get into this. You're not thinking right, so you start running, and the first thing you do is you're going to leave your friends behind. 
Turn to Proverbs chapter 17. You're going to follow with me this morning? I'm going to turn to some scripture. I'm going to read some scripture to you. Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs chapter 17, 17. I'm going to give you some of these. Proverbs 17, 17. How important are friends? They're vitally important. They're vitally important. Friends are vitally important. The best friend you have, Christian, is Jesus Christ. He says, I'm your friend. You have a friend with God. That's that's an amazing thought. Don't think too long on that because it will make your brain brain explode. But you, you got a friend in God. A friend. A true friend. Look at verse 17. A friend loveth at all times. And a brother's born for adversity. Amen. 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 Some of us in here got family members like, man, they're, they're not no friend of mine. As a matter of fact, they're, they're enemies. But you got friends that are closer than a brother. Amen. It says a friend loveth at all times. Man, I, 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 I'm, the way I've been blessed in this life that I live right now is I've always had good friends. Friends that have stuck with me through thick and thin. I mean, thick and thin. I mean, I've had, I, 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 had a, I had some people spread some, I mean, wicked, evil, sorry, no good rumors about me. And it got to one of my friends. My friend calls me and said, hey, I heard this and this about you. What's going on? And I said, man, that's not true. You know it's not true. Yeah, I know that. Well, what, have you been doing? what are you going to be doing tomorrow? He didn't listen to it and say, oh, I believe that about Keegan and start spreading the rumor. He called me up. And I appreciate that about my friend. And he's still a friend to this day. And that verse right there plays out to me. He loveth me at all times. He loves me when I'm good, and he loves me when I'm bad. He loves me when I've done something good, and he loves me when I've done something bad. That unconditional love comes from friendship. Look at chapter 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There it is. I just, I'm just repeating myself. But the point about that is, is a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you want to have a friend like the one I just told you about, well, you've got to be a friend like that. You've got to be a friend that's got unconditional love, that's going to forgive when they mess up. Amen. If you're going to be my friend, you better get ready for me to mess up. Because I'm going to say something that's going to insult you. I'm going to say something that's going to offend you. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, that's just me. <laughs> no. I'm, it's not an easy friendship, my friendships. But the point is, is if I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to try to be understanding. And I hope you're that way with me. If you want to have a good friend, you've got to be a good friend. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. Brother Keegan, I don't have any friends. Hmm. You're telling on yourself. Amen. If you tell me I don't have any friends, you're telling on yourself. You're telling me that you're not being very friendly. It's getting kind of quiet in here. I mean, but that's the truth. I, I, I'm not, that's not my opinion, brothers and sisters. I'm reading you what the Word of God says. And this book of Proverbs, read it every day. It'll help you. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, but I love the end of this verse, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 
You might not have a lot of friends. I mean, it's hard to find friends in this world, especially if you're a good, born-again, Bible-believing Christian. It's hard to find a lot of friends, especially outside of church, amen? Outside of this group, it's hard to find a bunch of good friends. But you at least have one friend in Jesus Christ. So don't tell me I don't have any friends. You have at least one in Jesus Christ. So let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's see some of the other mistakes, some other mistakes he makes. So he got away from his friends, and the solution to that is, is that you need to stay, stick with your friends. Stick with your friends. So back in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, talking about depression. So he left his friend behind in verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Ah, hmm, wrong place to go. Third mistake he makes. He isolates himself in the wilderness. He isolates himself in the wilderness. He gets by himself, gets rid of all his friends. That's a big mistake. We already talked about that. But then he not only isolates himself, but he isolates himself in the wilderness. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Who's out in the wilderness? Well, if you know your Bible, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, you know who shows up out in the wilderness? The devil. Jesus Christ was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and up in the wilderness and there shows the devil. Amen. The devil's out in the wilderness. What this represents is this is somebody who stopped going to church on a regular basis. I know we can't go to church every Sunday. There's some, we can't go to church every time the doors open. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where you just stop, period, going to church. You start living out in the world. You start living out in the wilderness. And then one day you wake up out in the wilderness and say, man, I'm depressed. I'm down. I don't know what the problem is. Well, maybe you're living out in the wilderness. That's where the devil's at. Maybe you're living with the devil. And I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. There's, I love that. One of my favorite jokes is when that, the, the, they're having church service and the devil comes in the back door and He's screaming and hollering. Everybody, oh, it's a devil. And they're running out. And they're, he's screaming and hollering. And the devil's screaming at them. And they're all running out. And there's one lone man sitting out there in the front pew. And the devil runs up there and he gets in front of that guy's face and rah! And that guy just sits there like that. He goes, rah! And that guy still stands there like that. And the devil says, aren't you scared of me? And that guy says, no, I've been married to your sister for 30 years. <laughs> Yeah, I've been married to your sister for 30 years. I'm not talking about that devil's living with you. I'm not talking about that devil. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the wilderness. Being isolated in the wilderness, away from everybody. That's not good. That's not good. And don't run off, say, I, I'm going to get rid of, I don't want to talk to him, I don't want my friends, I'm just going to run off in the wilderness. And don't be this stupid as to go, I'm going to run off in the wilderness and I'm going to listen to country music by myself. That's the worst thing you can do. That's some of the most depressing, sad, dopey music, country music. And if it's not, if it's not sad and dopey, then it, they're getting drunk. And they're getting drunk because they're sad and dopey. That's what's going on there. What's the answer? What's the solution to this? Well, it's pretty simple, guys. I think you know what I'm going to tell you is you need to attend church on a regular basis. 
You've been out in the wilderness. You stopped going to church on a regular basis. Well, you, the answer to the solution is you need to be in church on a regular basis. Why? Because when you're sad and you're depressed, you get around other brothers and sisters of Christ, they're the white blood cells that I talked about. They're going to try to lift you up. They're going to cheer you up. And there's something about being around God's people. Amen. There's something about, you know, you can sit at home and not go to church and think, well, I'm getting all the church I need. But there's nothing like being in the house of God and feeling the Holy Spirit move among God's people. You think, I'm the pastor here. I'm the pastor here. You think I come in every Sunday with just full of the Holy Spirit? No, I don't. Sometimes my wife's back there with the whip saying, you've got to go to church. You've got to go to church. I don't want to go to church, but you're the pastor. You've got to go to church. Oh, please. But then I get here, and Sister Alice is here. And we got to talking about the Lord. I run into Joker or Ronnie or... I, any of y'all guys, and the Holy Spirit's here, and I see y'all laughing and joking around, and, and then I hear that you're having problems, and then I hear that you're having problems. I'm like, you know what? I'm not the only one that's having problems. And maybe I can do something to help them out. And there's somebody here that sometimes has helped me out. I'm telling you, the best place you can be is in a church on a regular basis. Yeah. And if you're not, I, 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 as, if you're not, if you're a Christian and you're not going to church on a regular basis, I feel sorry for you. You're missing out on the best part of Christianity. Because you're getting all the bad parts of Christianity if you're not in church on a regular basis. You're living out in the world. The devil's attacking you on a regular basis. People are mocking you, making fun of you. You don't know anybody that believes like you believe. That's the worst part of being a Christian. The best part is when you get to go to church and being around other believers. That's why heaven's going to be heaven. It's because there's going to be other brothers and sisters up there. Heaven's not going to be heaven because it's a wilderness. Heaven's going to be heaven because God Almighty's there. Amen. And fellowship is there. And the revival's there. All the great stuff we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. That's the solution. And the Bible tells us that's the solution. Forsake not the assembling themselves of together. Like, some, like the manner of some are. So we're, we're commanded to go to church. You like it or not, you've been told to go to church. So, Verse 4. Look at the next one. But he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness. And he came and sat down upon a, under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. The fourth thing that happens, the fourth mistake that people make that when they're going through depression is they have irrational thoughts. Irrational thoughts. He's not thinking straight. He's not thinking straight. Number one, if he really wanted to die, why would he run away? Jezebel said she'd take care of that for him, right? He <laughs> said, I'm going to kill you. And if he really wanted to die, I said, okay, I want to die anyway. Thank you for doing me the favor, Jezebel. When are you going to kill me? What's, what, can I make an appointment? <laughs> he don't really want to die. It's irrational thinking. Amen. It's irrational thinking. It's suicidal thoughts. That happens with depression. That's the danger of depression. That's why I, I'm joking around about it, but I'm not making a joke about it. And if you're in here this morning, or you're listening to me this morning, you're dealing with depression, my heart is for you. I've been there. It's no, it's no laughing matter. It's a serious matter. Because it leads to thoughts that you're, that's not good. It leads to suicidal thoughts. I've been there. I've been there. Where I've, been, where I've told God, I just want to die. I don't want to live anymore. I want to die. And that's where Elijah's gotten to. Elijah's gotten to the point where he says, it's enough for me, he requests for himself, that he might die. Take away my life. 
What would lead a man to do that? Irrational thinking. You're not thinking straight. You're not thinking straight. The solution to this is pretty complex. It's not a simple solution. This irrational thinking. It's kind of complex. Number one, and I preached on this a couple of Sundays ago. Number one, your suicidal thoughts might be, and suicidal things going, things going on in your mind, and those tendencies might be coming from an unclean spirit. So I try to tell you, it's kind of complex. So the, one of the first parts of this solution, this is a recipe. This solution is basically a recipe. The first part of this recipe is you need to pray and make sure there's not some unclean spirit that's messing with you. So what you would do is you would just say, Lord Jesus Christ, I don't feel good. I feel depressed. I feel kind of sad. If there's an unclean spirit that's, that's, that's dwelling on me or around me, would you please bind it and put it where you want to go? In the name of Jesus Christ, and I plead the precious blood of Jesus Christ, amen. Pray a prayer like that. You say, well, it didn't work. Pray it again. Remember what I I, I preached on when we were talking about unclean spirits? Jesus Christ talked about some of them unclean spirits. He said, this kind cometh out, but not, does not cometh out, but by much prayer, much prayer and fasting. So sometimes you say, man, I'm just depressed. Okay, pray. Pray much, much prayer. And sometimes you need to go into a fast. In other words, you need to start fasting. Deny, your, deny yourself some food. Do a 12-hour fast. What's a 12-hour fast? 12-hour fast is 6 o'clock at night. You don't eat nothing from 6 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning. That's a 12-hour fast. You want to do a 24-hour fast? That's a good one. A, just, a, just one good day fast is good for anybody in here. I don't care what, where you're at, what condition you're at this morning spiritually. A one-day fast is good for you. A one-day fast would be 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Say, pick, pick a good time. Say, I'm going to stop eating at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm not going to eat again until 6 o'clock the next day. That's 24 hours. Then you have, you'll be, there'll be 8 to 10 hours of bedtime, and that where you'll be, you won't be starving yourself. You'll be starving, but you won't be, i got to eat, i got to eat. And you'll get a full-day fast, and it's good for you spiritually. It'll keep this flesh under control, and you'll be amazed how much better you feel. Some of that bloating that's going on in your stomach, you'll lose some of that bloating just in one day. I'm telling you, there's some physical, there's some physical good, good things that happen when you fast. Not just spiritual, but physical. But for this solution, for the rational thinking, first you've got to address it. Is this an unclean spirit messing with me? Is this the devil messing with me? Is this something spiritually going on in my life? I need to clean this up. And the second, the second thing to this solution is this. You need some scripture. You need to figure out through Scripture, how to control your thought process. Because you're not thinking straight. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I'm going to give you some more Scripture here like we were talking about earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You need to control your thought process. You need to control your thought process. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse... Verse 3, let's start there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And I'm going to start speeding up so we can get out of here. I'm already running, running behind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. And this is a stronghold that's going on in your life. There might be a stronghold, a stranglehold the devil has on your life is depressing you in some way. Unclean spirit messing with you. So verse 5. Casting down, excuse me, casting down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So all those imaginations you're having, those, those thoughts you shouldn't have, you need to cast them down. And bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You need to start controlling your thoughts, and when your mind starts wandering off, then all those dark trails it tends to wander off on, starts wandering down those depressive thoughts, you need to take those thoughts, you need to cast them down, you need to bring them to obedience to Jesus Christ. So you know what? God doesn't want me to be depressed like that. God wants me to have joy. Amen. And you know what? You have some sin you did, and you start, look, you start thinking back, and you start dwelling on that sin you did, and you're ashamed of that sin. You're ashamed of something you did, something you said. something You, you need to take that, and you need to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Take that and cast that down. Say, I'm bringing it into obedience to Christ, because I know my Lord and Savior has put that under His blood. And I'm not going to be sad about that. I'm going to get them. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to have joy in Jesus Christ. You've got to bring those thoughts to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is not easy. And I'm not trying to convince you that, oh, you just do this. It's the simplest. It's not easy to do. I had a psychologist tell me one time, he goes, you take the bad thoughts and you squeeze them out and then you squeeze in the good, and he'd do this. You squeeze out the bad thoughts and then you squeeze in the good thoughts. I mean, what he's saying is kind of biblical, but it's not that easy. You just don't squeeze them out because they're right there. When you're in a depressive state, you can take a man and put him on the other side of the globe, put him in Japan, and he's still going to be down and out. You can, it's not an easy solution. But there is... A solution. Number one is Jesus Christ. Number two is the word and it's saying, I'm not going to think this way. Remember what Jesus Christ said? It's out of the abundance of a man's heart that he, the mouth speaketh. And out of the heart comes all the evil sins that we have in our life. So what's the heart? That's your thought process. That's your thoughts. The way you think. The way you, so we all have evil thoughts. It's what do we do with those evil thoughts? Are you casting them down? Are you taking those evil thoughts and throwing them down? And what does the Bible say there in verse 5? It says, bringing them into captivity. Are you making those evil thoughts POWs? You're at war. Grab them. Put them into bondage. Take those thoughts and say, no, those go over here. Those bad thoughts go over here. I'm going to put my mind on Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 26. It's easy for me to preach it. It's hard to live it. So don't. Don't think I'm trying to tell you some. This isn't some pill that you swallow and everything's going to be okay. But it is a process that you can do. And I'm telling you, you say, well, I'm depressed. Try it and keep trying it and stick with it. It's worth fighting for. And you'll be amazing, amazed how you'll start that climb. You say, I'm, a, I'm in a pit right now. I'm in a pit of depression. I know you are. I've been there. Well, how am I going to get out, Pastor? Start climbing. One, just, one, just take one, just one grab at a time. But I can't see a lot yet. Just keep on, though. Life's worth living. You've got people that love you, that care for you. And they don't want to see you go. They don't want to see you depressed. They don't want to see you down. You're no good to nobody when you're like that. Keep on climbing. It's worth it. And God will help you out. Amen. You think Elijah, when he came out there and he seen Ahab running that chariot, said, man, I can't, catch that, I can't catch that chariot. There's no way I can catch that, that chariot of Ahab. And God says, yeah, you can. Watch this. And God helped him. And what did I show? He's running ahead of him. When God, with, with God, all things are possible. Amen. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So this is not something you can't do. 
You just got to have a will to do it. And this is the problem. When you get into the depressive state that Elijah's in, you don't have that will sometimes. This is why it's so dangerous. It's, it's easy for me to preach about because I've been on this other side now and I'm living on the other side, but when you're in that pit, you can't. It's not as easy to say, well, just don't do that. Your will, you're, you're, not, you're not thinking straight, remember? You're not, irrationally, you're not rationally thinking. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You need to underline that verse. Isaiah 26, 3, underline that. Thou will, Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. When you keep your mind on God, you keep your mind on Jesus Christ, you keep your, thing, your mind on the things of God, God will keep your mind for you. So I can't stop thinking weird thoughts. Well, keep, put your mind on God and He'll help you keep your mind. He'll give you the peace you need. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit thy works unto the Lord. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. So you just start working for the Lord. Say, well, I'm still depressed. Well, keep working. When I was in this depressive state that I was dealing with, I was still coming up to church preaching. And I tried to quit. Honestly. I tried to resign. And I was going to resign. And I said, from this pulpit right here, I'm resigning. <laughs> and there were some people in this church that said, no, you're not. Remember what I said about friends? Remember what I said about friends? Jezebel's speaking to me and I'm leaving. And your friends say, no, you're not. And they say, no, you're not. We want you here. You're not going nowhere. Well, this is embarrassing, this, that, and other. It's not embarrassing to us. Well, if somebody comes in here and they find out that I, I'm divorced, and I'm going through a divorce... That's going to be embarrassing. And I had one of the ladies at church say, well, if they don't like it, they can leave. <laughs> now, that's a friend. That sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. Amen. That's somebody that loves you even though you're going through a problem. Amen. And what I needed at that time, and I'm telling you right now, y'all might not realize, what I, I needed to be able to come out here. If I would have resigned and y'all would have said, y'all need, need to leave, Brother Keegan, and you would have run me off, which I deserve to be run off. If you'd have run me off, said we're going to find somebody else, and I would have—you should have. <laughs> I would have left, and there's no telling what would have happened to my life. There's no—I can't tell you. But I needed something, place to go. I needed some place to work for the Lord. Amen. I needed some place where I could commit my works to the Lord, so I, He could keep my thoughts. Commit thy works to the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Back in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I need to start closing up. Verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 5. And I need, I need to close up. And as he lay. He said now he's laying, he's laying there and he wants to die. Verse 5. Elijah is, This is Elijah. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold there an angel touched him. And he said unto him arise and eat. It says he lay and he slept. There's the problem right there. There's one of the main problems with depression is you're burned out. 
What's happened here is happens to a lot of pastors, happens to a lot of people, workers of the Lord, it happens to some of y'all. You just get burned out. You're working, you're working, you're working all week long, and you try, to, you try to do a little bit on Saturday, you work on Saturday, and then you try to come up to church, and it's just work, work, work. Sometimes you just need to take a rest. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm a preacher that always tells you you need to be in church. You know that, right? I, to the point to where it's probably a sin. I'm a, you, I make this church like it's some kind of holy ground. It's not. But I really believe in church. That's how much I believe in church. I really, really believe in church. But... If you're working yourself to the bone and the only time you have to rest is to take one Sunday off and say, you know what, Pastor, I just was tired. I just stayed at home and I slept in. Well, praise the Lord. Maybe you needed that. I don't hold nothing against you. I don't think the Lord will either. As long as you don't, as long as you don't do that on a regular basis. Right? As long as you don't do that on a regular basis. We need rest. Elijah, got, Elijah was doing this great thing for God. He brings down the fire from heaven, and then he prays, and then he's running, by, and he's wore out. Even Jesus Christ told his disciples, come apart. You need to rest, come apart. Jesus told his disciples that. You need rest, come apart, come away from everybody. They couldn't get any rest. You need rest. If you don't get rest, you're going to break down. You need to take a break. And I don't know how that is for you. Everybody's different, amen? Everybody has different ways to take breaks. Everybody has different ways to take rest. But one of the greatest ways to get depressed is to work yourself to the bone. Amen. And that's what happened to Elijah. He just was wore out and he's tired. So what's the solution to this? It's real simple. It's just important to get rest. And that's found in Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Maybe you don't think, maybe you don't believe that that's an important thing. Maybe you say, well, I, I just, those guys are weenies. They need to work, work, work. Physical and mental fatigue. Now listen to me. If you listen to anything I say this morning, listen to this. Physical and mental fatigue makes cowards of all of us. If you don't know that truth, you need to study history of war. Physical and mental fatigue makes cowards of all of us. Any of us... You catch us at 10 o'clock in the morning after we had breakfast and we're good to go. Man, we're ready to fight a lion. You catch us at 9 o'clock at night after we're wore down and everything's like, whatever, just let the lion eat me. Just let me go to sleep. I'm tired. This happens in war all the time. And they know that. Starve, their, starve your enemy. Don't let them have fatigue. Don't, you know, make, make it hard on them. Make them get physically fatigued. Make them get mentally fatigued. Wear them out. And then we'll attack them, and they'll be, like, they'll be cowardly. The devil knows that better than anybody. So you need to rest. Brothers and sisters, you need to get rest. If you're depressed, first thing you need to do is slow down and get some rest. Say, I need, I need, to, take, I need to slow down. If that means that you need to give away, stop doing some stuff, stop doing some stuff. I'm telling you from a guy who's been depressed. And I, I had to take a breath. I had to back off. Let's slow down a little bit here. The last one you're going to find there in verse 6. Actually, verse, uh, verse 10. Skip down to verse 10. And we'll, I'm going to finish preaching this maybe next Sunday or Sunday after. But we'll, we'll go through how God, has, God comes, shows up and he takes care of Elijah. Y'all know that. And we'll, we'll get to that sermon. But I'm going to show you the last one, the last problem, the last mistake he makes. Verse 10. And he said, and this is when God shows up, he says to God, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, 
thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. The biggest mistake he makes here, and the last mistake is he thinks he's all alone. You're not alone. Number one, you've got Jesus Christ. Number two, you've got somebody that will help you. Number three, I, if you're listening to me and I don't really know you that well, call me up. I'll get to know you. Amen. Sometimes the best person you can talk to is somebody who doesn't know you at all and say, you know what, you don't know anything. I just want to tell you, I just got to get this off my chest. You're not alone. But the mistake that Elijah made is he thought he was all alone. Even I, I, even I only am left. God tells him that, look at verse 18 in closing, yet, he says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all in these which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. The solution to that is you're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not the only one with problems. Everybody has problems. Everybody has dealings or stuff to do with their life. Some people are just better at hiding it than others. I tell that all the time. Some people are just better at hiding their problems than others. Everybody has problems. So you're not alone. You're not the only one with problems. You're not the only one dealing with things. But Jesus Christ tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care on Him, casting all your care on Him, on Jesus Christ, for He cared for you. Amen. You got those cares, you got those burdens, you got those problems, you take them. You say, Jesus, I can't handle this. And you put them on Jesus Christ. Because he cares for you. Uh, Sister Donnie Edwards, uh, I mean, Brother Donnie Edwards, his wife, I can't think of her name right now. Linda, you remember Donnie Edwards? I mean, uh, I don't think it was Donnie Edwards. I can't think of the guy's name. His wife had a testimony, and one of the things she said in her testimony, she quoted uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 55 through 57. I'm going to read them in closing. This is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 55 through 57. If you want to go home and read it for yourself, this is what the Bible says. I called, upon, I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. I'm in a pit of depression. I called out to you from a low dungeon. Verse 57 says this, Thou, the Lord, drewest near in the, day, in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidest, Fear not. Amen. I was in the very, very deepest part of my depression and the Lord, the Lord showed up in my life one night and he said, everything's going to be okay. And I don't deserve it. Boy, I deserve to be in a pit. I deserve to be depressed. I deserve to die. I deserve to be killed. I deserve, God needs to kiss. I deserve to be in hell. But thanks to Jesus Christ, who loves me and takes care of me, he's not going to let me go there. And when I got down, I said, Lord, I just want to die. I don't want to. Lord said, no, you know, everything's going to be okay. Come here. I cried out to him and said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. I cried, out with, cry, I cried out with tears of agony. And the Lord said, everything's going to be okay. There's a reason why I'm up here preaching Jesus Christ. 
It's because Jesus Christ has been so good to me. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, if there's somebody that's dealing with depression this morning, Lord God, I pray, Father, you just speak to the heart the truth, Lord, that you love them. And Lord, if they're not saved, Lord God, that you want to save them, that you want to come in and dwell in them, Lord God. But you're, you're a wonderful God. You're a gentleman. You're not just going to barge into their heart, barge into their life, Lord God. You're going to knock. Knock on their door of their heart, Lord God, and ask to come in, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that they're willing to ask and ask you to come in, Lord God. You'll show up in a mighty way in their life, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody that is dealing with depression that's saved, Lord God, that, Father, you'll show them some of the solutions. And maybe they need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Maybe they need to stop listening to the Jezebels. Lord, and maybe they need to get around some of their friends, Lord God, help them cheer them up. Stop living out in the wilderness. Get back into church. Whatever it might be, Lord God. You know what it might be, Father, but I pray you speak to the heart the truth. But, Father, I want to thank you, Father, that we do have a solution in Jesus Christ. That we do have a solution in your words, Lord God. And they give us comfort. And they give us joy. And they give us peace. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you for this, Lord God. Because we live in a world that's so dark. And I thank you for being the light of the world. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Well, right, let's have an invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive him this morning. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. 
Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.